Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness podcast series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness webcast series held on May 23, 2018, focusing on early observations on business decision-making in the post-tax reform world. The panelists for the webcast were Ken Kuykendall, a PwC tax partner and our tax services leader, Raphael Lander, a PwC advisory partner focusing on operational consulting, Alex Velasco, a PwC tax partner focusing on value chain transformation, and Anthony Tenorello, a PwC tax partner leading our customs international trade practice. This excerpt consists of a discussion among the panelists focusing on the organizational footprint of companies in light of tax reform. Have a listen. All right, why don't we move on to talking about the second area that we wanted to bring, which is footprint. Alex, I'm going to come back to you, but maybe you can start out by talking to people about what you mean by footprint when we're talking about this type of discussion. Yeah, and so in the context of this conversation, what we mean by footprint is um, <coughs> not just a physical footprint, you know, obvious things like locations of, you know, manufacturing facilities, distribution centers, you know, trade flows of goods but it's also investments in other operational footprint, like for example, locations of capability centers, whether we're talking about R&D facilities, you know, shared service centers, um, procurement or sourcing operations, all those things uh, combined together, not just inform the way the company is organized and how it goes about executing on its business strategy, but that's where the tax cost really comes in is on the basis of that you know, footprint decision making. So that's what we're talking about. Um, what, um, what we'll talk about um, in the segment is, you know, when you think about, you know, we talked about, you know, three main areas, investments, footprint, and operating models. You know, when you talk about the, the footprint decisions, it's really um, what type of footprint are we investing in? Who funds those investments? Who controls decisions and has decision rights, you know, with regard to those investments? And who bears the risk? I mean, those are the kinds of things we would really, really focus on and the tax impact would be a follow-up from those sort of determinations. So why don't we pivot on to maybe talking about some of the other principles out there. Um, Raphael, maybe to set this up, I'll, I'll go to a question we asked before, but put a little bit of a different spin on it. So I look at all the things that have happened from a reform perspective, lower rate, um, FDII provisions that are out there, um, guilty and beat provisions, seemingly making it m more lucrative to move um, income and investments into the U.S. Um, all those components come together, it would seem to me that it's a no-brainer to sort of invest in the U.S. so that there'd be increased U.S. investment. That's not always the case based upon a lot of other criteria that are out there. So maybe you can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we're not quite seeing drastic moves to unwind uh, outside of U.S. structures that were set up in the past. Okay. Uh, what we're seeing is a brighter spotlight put on those OUS structures to, to validate and ensure that the business and operational rationale that was a motivating factor in the per first place um, is, still, is still relevant. Um, for example, uh, we, a couple of years ago, uh, we worked with a client to help them set up a uh, sourcing office in Asia. Uh, this particular client was significantly increasing the amount of spend with Asia suppliers. Uh, they were partnering with these suppliers to 
uh, enable value engineering programs, advanced sourcing programs, and having a geographic footprint in that region was very important. Um, they've seen tremendous value from that sourcing office. Um, if that capability center continues to deliver the value it has for the last couple of years, we don't expect to see a drastic unwinding. And that would apply similarly for uh, a Swiss supply chain control tower or manufacturing campus in Mexico and any of the other examples that, uh, that we can bring to life related to outside of U.S. structures. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll just add, you know, one one point just from a customs indirect tax perspective, whether whether you're unwinding or just evaluating, right, any particular changes, you know, um, knowing your duty spend. But in many instances, it's it's knowing what your current duty avoidance is, yeah. right? So if you're already benefiting from, say, valuation planning around first sale for export or a free trade agreement, you know, um, whether unwinding or considering sourcing changes, you know, could certainly disrupt that considerably. And again, something that could be manageable, you know, if, uh, if aligned and considered up front along with the rest of the plan. Yeah, I think maybe like from my perspective to, to add on what the, uh, the guys just said, I think um, footprint is the one area of the business where I think there is a huge unlocked potential for like most companies we work with. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, you know, those, you know, business footprint decisions, you know, they tend to be made, you know, a long, long time ago for whatever reasons they made. And frankly, sometimes they made around personalities, you know, and names that have been put in a box and sort of located somewhere in the world, or they may have been located on a basis of, you know, legacy business strategy that may or may not make sense anymore, or the industry trends were different. I think there's that component. Or different tax considerations. Exactly right. Or, or the, the tax cost equation was very, very different up until, you know, six months ago. Yeah. So I think, uh, and Raphael, you're exactly right. I think at a minimum, um, we're going to find that once you shine that spotlight on some of those historic, you know, legacy decision-making around footprint, we might either find that, well, maybe that's not how the business really operates, or maybe... That is not really the capability that we should be continuing to invest in back to your sort of capability-driven strategy, right? And maybe we should de-emphasize that particular activity. Or frankly, sometimes we're going to find that the above-the-line cost of some of those historic decisions may not, you know, really make sense anymore in light of the new, you know, income tax and direct tax trade-off. All right. And while we're talking about above-the-line costs, yeah. <laughs> let me come back to you on this one because we're talking a lot about income tax and all the implications on all this stuff. Maybe you can unpack a little bit of some of the trade considerations that come sure, into play here. Sure, thanks. So, uh, yeah, so trade is uh, is in flux, and I'd say this current administration is, dare I say, making trade sexier than it's ever ever <laughs> been before. But, um, you know, we if I, if I talk to the middle of the slide here, so the North American Free Trade Agreement, um, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster uh, as to as to where we actually are and where we're going to land. But you know, there was um, a deadline. Check the tweets today. I I've checked the tweets <laughs> at least not within the last hour. So unless something <laughs> came up, but uh, but yeah. So the 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 previously uh, stated deadline was uh, was May seventeenth. We blew through that. Um, we're we're learning that it's uh, hopefully now uh, May thirty first. But there seems to be progress. Uh, that's being made, particularly uh, in the context of some of the automotive negotiations. But 
Another call it business uncertainty that needs to be considered is that the U.S. is not backing off, you know, from the uh, the five-year sunset provision, which would have required the three parties to come together every five years to basically hash this out again, which is uh, which will be, you know, continue to be interesting. Um, the uh, the section two hundred one, two thirty two, and and three hundred one provisions, um, 201 being the tariff, uh, additional tariffs on washing machines and solar panels, 232, the steel and aluminum tariffs, and then, uh, and then the 301, section 301, which is the proposed uh, tariff on Chinese, uh, Chinese goods, which as of Monday, um, uh, we have walked it back a little bit. Uh, what's been released is that the, uh, that, that there are negotiations going on with China and you know, for considerations around market access uh, and uh, an increase in intellectual property rights and protection that um, it's pretty much been paused. But again, wouldn't be surprised if it's reopened if those deals, you know, start to uh, start to, to, to waver. And then, of course, Brexit, um, extremely disruptive on, on a number of uh, supply chains, not only from the potential duty implications uh, being pulled out of the EU, but also the operational um, uh, impact, right? Companies that have never imported before, have never classified a product before, have never filed a, a, an import declaration, or, are now trying to, you know, ramp up and learn that skill. So all of these things are, are having, a, you know, certainly could have a profound effect on the modeling uh, that we talked about, you know, as to whether or not something might be a go, go or no-go uh, decision. I think uh, maybe just another word on, on Brexit. Um, a number of companies we're working with, so think back to this foot, whole footprint discussion. Um, Brexit might be a big deal for a number of companies. Uh, an easy example, and we see a number of clients in that situation, if you're a regulated business and yeah. you've historically held you know, a license to you know, do, whether it's a financial institution, a communication business, you know, something that is regulated and um, historic license have been held in the, in the UK, well, we're seeing a number of companies sort of anticipating having to, you know, obtain now a license, you know, in the EU post-Brexit. And a lot of times those requirements carry with it that, a, in essence, a control tower of decisions related to that activity must be also located to where the license is held. So that's another reason uh, when you think about, you know, this talks about the people footprint, you know, the actual key decision makers that control commercial activity. If those are, you know, relocated, and a number of companies have been sort of already moving that way, that may be a major redetermining factor in where the income is taxed, right? Because just think about the post-BEPS world and the huge emphasis on people function. So I think it's the point, Kent, you were making earlier. It's not just the income tax, right? It's the indirect tax. It's a regulatory environment. Uh, all those things will really pause us, you know, cause us to pause and reevaluate the footprint decisions that we made. Yeah, and I reflect back on you know, webcast a couple of weeks ago. We had Mike Erson here really describing the complexity of all the interrelations of just looking at the income tax provisions. And Anthony, you start to go through talking about all the trade considerations that could go on top of that, and the circuits start to pop, to be honest with you. There's still, it's a lot, lot to think through. So yeah. I want to dig in a little bit deeper uh, on um, this footprint discussion. So um, lots of talk, gentlemen, about... Um, tangible side things. So we talked about <clears throat> plants, investments, all, capabilities, all those different things. One of the things we didn't talk about is the, the non-tangible, the, the intangible type investments that are out there and the intangible elements of the footprint that are out there and what we expect to see or what we are seeing in that space. So any comments on that? Yeah, I certainly um, think that um, while a lot of rules 
you know, both historic rules and curiously, even the, the current U.S. rules that we're dealing with seem to place a lot of emphasis on tangible asset, right, and the um, return those assets generate. But a lot of trends we're seeing across different sectors of the no, economy. Intangible is, is the missing component after you get to tangible returns, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, what we're seeing is um, just the way the, you know, the economy is unfolding and the whole kind of digital revolution uh, really um, emphasizes importance of these other sort of less tangible elements. So think about um, digital capabilities. Think about data analytics capabilities. Think about software as opposite yeah. to hardware. As we talk about the operating models here in a minute, we'll talk about you know, some of the trends we're seeing with companies pivoting from selling you know, widgets to providing digitally enabled services. I think those sort of business factors combined with what BEPS is, is telling us, which is it's all about people functions. Yeah. And when you think about locations of some of those differentiated capability centers, you know, that's, that's what's economically significant sort of from that perspective. So I think Definitely, yes, it's not just a tangible investment, but also companies are going to find themselves sort of a little bit between the rock and the hard place where, you know, certain sets of rules really aiming at, you know, understanding sort of an incentivizing tangible investment, but the commercial reality a lot of times is pointing us to a different direction. And you raised BEPS in there, and it's interesting. Conversations with folks in Europe that are in the tax space, in the policy space, there's sort of a clear expectation on their side that there's going to be this migration of intangibles back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. as a result of that because of all the rationale you just described. So it's going to be interesting to see. Right now, I think the uncertainty is sort of being a little bit of cold water on that effort. But I, I think once we get a little bit more certainty, it is going to be interesting to yep. see that. Yeah. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please email the participants whose email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.